This evening, I'd like to uh, begin with some introductory uh, remarks in regards to um, our, our lesson, which I hope will be beneficial and be a blessing to you. If you are mindful of the fact that our Lord Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, He taught us to pray that the kingdom would come. And there are several little um, points in regards to that. Jesus was teaching us to pray for something that we will not experience in this lifetime. It will be much after uh, we are gone or the rapture of the church uh, has taken place. So in regards to prayer, we could always remember that our greatest prayer as we pray for His kingdom to come uh, is something that is yet future. If you think about this for a minute <clears throat> and realize that for more than 2,000 years, saints have been praying this prayer. If you would compare that to the Revelation chapter 8, where the angel goes before the Lord and the throne and he has this in, incense and censer uh, and it's filled with the prayers of all the saints. And then uh, this censer is emptied out over the earth. Can you imagine all of the godly saints that have prayed for the kingdom to come for all of these years and the power that that will be displaying uh, previous to the Lord's return to this earth? And for some reason, I think that the Lord wanted us to pray this prayer with us realizing that we won't see this or experience this in our present life to make us understand 1 Corinthians where Paul said, I has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that the Lord has prepared for those who love Him. The kingdom rule the thousand-year reign, the millennium uh, that we study about this evening is something far beyond anything that we can ever imagine. It is one of the most blessed events. It'll be your best hour if you've lived for the Lord Jesus. And I want to encourage you, don't miss it. 
There'll be changes that'll be made that'll be beyond your imagination. And when you read your Bibles, just remember uh, that the kingdom rule of the Lord Jesus is something that the Lord created the earth for in order that He might have a place to enjoy His bride one day. I want you to look with me for a minute, uh, if you will. Uh, we're coming back to Genesis 27 in, in just a minute, but uh, I want to show you the dr dramatic changes that will occur from this life and for the time of the coming of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. Look with me in your Bibles, if you will, to the Revelation chapter 16. Let me read a verse here. In verse 8 and 9 of the Revelation 16, Now, this will take a little bit of time, but I think it will be beneficial to you if you'll follow with me. If you look with me in the Revelation 16, verse 8 and verse 9. This has to do with the vile judgments that will occur here. In verse 8, read with me where it says, The fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. Kind of like the way it's been here in Chattanooga for the last few days. But then in verse 9, he says, Men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God which hath power over these plagues and they repented not to give Him glory. This is part of the anguish and the chastisement or the punishment that the Lord will pour out His wrath over this earth during the time of the tribulation. And can you imagine uh, the awfulness of this that will occur? Some men used to tell me, we need a great tragedy in order to have a great revival, to bring men to repentance. That don't bring men to repentance. It's uh, godly sorrow for sin that does that. Now then, I want you to compare a verse with me. I want you to look at this verse with me. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 30. And the 26th verse of Isaiah, chapter 30. Keep in mind what we just read in the Revelation and make a comparison here in Isaiah chapter 30. In Isaiah chapter 30, we're reading about some events that will occur in the kingdom. In verse 26, Moreover, 
the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun. The light of the sun shall be sevenfold as the light of seven days in the day that the Lord bindeth up the breach of his people and healeth the stroke of their wounds. Now you might read this and you think if Revelation 16 verse 8 and 9 is bad, how in the world will the sun seven times more be different? Here's the thought. God controls the universe. Absolutely controls the universe. In the Revelation, He's talking about the heat of His wrath. In Isaiah, He's not talking about heat. He's talking about light and revelation. You would say, oh, I don't know about that, Brother Royce. The sun does that today. You can take a stick of butter out to the parking lot and the sun will melt that butter. But you can take a piece of clay like you're going to make a brick and it'll harden that clay like a brick. God controls this. And this is a marvelous thing that what is wrath and heat in the tribulation will be revelation and brightness in the time of the kingdom. This will all occur and it will come to pass. Many things occur in regards to that. You know, can you imagine, can you imagine a time when the birds and the animals and the fish in the sea will all sing and praise the Lamb of God? That will occur. If you read Psalms 96, you'll see that the day is coming in the kingdom when the trees of the field will rejoice. In Isaiah 55, it says that they'll clap their hands for joy that the kingdom has come. This is what Paul meant when he wrote in the book of Romans that the whole creation travaileth waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. This will all occur in the kingdom rule of the Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom will be our brightest hour. It will be the glorious time when the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Now, if you hadn't lost enough fingers, you turn back to Genesis 27 and we'll start again. <clears throat> Look with me to Genesis chapter 27. You've probably read this part of the Scripture many times. And uh, if you'll 
look with me for a second. We'll begin reading um, in verse 26 of uh, Genesis chapter 27. <clears throat> And the scene is Jacob, who is fooling his father Isaac and pretending to be Esau. And he comes in to his father Isaac. And in verse 26, his father Isaac said to him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. By the way, this is a very important um, portion of Scripture. You know that Isaiah was uh, uh, kind of blind and he couldn't see well. And uh, when Jacob come in with the uh, hives and so forth on his hand, uh, Isaac felt of him. And... Uh, uh, thought for sure this was Esau. And this shows you that you need not go by your feelings to know the Lord's will, because more often than not, you're going to be fooled. But that, that's just a little note. Don't worry about that. <laughs> In verse 27, uh, Jacob came near and kissed him, he smelled the smell of his raiment, blessed him, and said, See the smell of my son, it is as the smell of the field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven, and the fatness of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine, and let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee, be Lord over thy brethren, let thy mother's sons bow down to thee, and cursed be every one that curseth thee. Blessed be he that blesseth thee. And this, this was the blessing of the birthright that um, Esau had sold for a few uh, messes or pottage. You know, of course, that this is an important part of Jacob's life. It is true that Jacob deceived his father, but it is also true that this was the Lord's will for Jacob to have this blessing because he said at birth, the younger will be served by the elder. And so you might say, how did this come to pass? It came to pass by trickery. Uh, they deceived Isaac. And yet in their supposed deception, God had his will done. God's will will be done uh, as we have prayed, no matter what you do. You may be punished for it, and this caused Jacob a lot of trouble. But think of the magnitude of this blessing. It was the right of the firstborn 
that Isaac was bestowing on Jacob. Now, what do you think would be the most important thing? You know, it says many things here. There's several, several items that are mentioned in regards to this. Do you know the first thing that he said? Isaac said, Give thee of the dew of heaven. Have you ever thought how important that is? Now he didn't say, First, you'll be ruler over many of your brethren. He didn't say uh, that you'd do other things and that the people who cursed you would be cursed. The first thing he said was the dew of heaven. And that's what I want to that's what I want to emphasize to you this evening is the dew. Oh, you would say that's just a small thing. And it is. It's not loud. It's not boisterous. But Isaac prayed that the Lord give thee the dew of heaven. Now, if you'll look with me for a minute to the book of Deuteronomy, I want to show you the importance of this in chapter 32 of the book of Deuteronomy. This is Moses' song, and in verse uh, chapter 32, verse 1 and 2, Moses says, Give ear, O heaven, I'll speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. If you turn over for a minute to the next chapter, you'll see that he mentions this again in chapter 33. He says in regards to Joseph in verse 13, Blessed of the Lord be his land for the precious things of heaven, for the dew, and for the deep that coucheth beneath. And he mentions several precious things here. And then if you look down to verse 28, you will see that Israel then shall dwell in safety alone, the fountain of Jacob, who received the blessing of the firstborn, shall be upon a land of corn and wine, and his heaven shall drop down dew. And I just want to look at the positive side of this statement tonight so that it may be a little bit uh, meaningful to you. 
The first thing that Isaac said was that he was going to give Jacob, and he prayed for Jacob to have the dew of heaven. There are, there are three places in the scripture where the dew would be important and where uh, the meaning that I want you to see tonight would be meaningful in your everyday life. One is in Exodus 16. Another is in Judges chapter 6. And the third is in Daniel chapter 4. The dew. The typical significance of the blessings of God in the promises that He has made, His speech, and what He has promised to the people of Israel who love Him. First of all, if you look in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 16, you will see that the Lord was going to give the manna. And the manna was to prove Israel as to whether they would walk in His ways or not. But if you compare Exodus 16 and Numbers chapter 11, you'll see that the dew came and the manna came on top of the dew. The dew was that which refreshed the manna every morning. It came every day. It came six days every day. And the Lord was trying to show us that we need refreshment and the renewal of His promises every day. But now, the reason that the manna didn't come on the Sabbath day was because the Lord was only giving this until they reached the promised land. And then the manna ceased. Now, if you'll think with me for a moment, you'll see that the dew remained. The children of Israel murmured. They complained. Uh, they wanted to turn back. But the dew kept coming every day. And as the blessing of the birthright was received by Jacob uh, as a deceptive kind of thing, the Lord's trying to show us that the coming kingdom will take place whether you believe it or not. Whether anyone believes it or not, God will be faithful and God will send the dew of heaven no matter what. And this is what this means. Now, there's something interesting here if you really, really look 
at this. If you've ever bought a really good commentary on the book of Daniel, you won't get much out of the fourth chapter. <laughs> But let me say something to you. Read the fourth chapter of the book of Daniel, and you'll see there that there's a great king named Nebuchadnezzar, powerful. He came in and he destroyed Jerusalem and Israel and brought the holy vessels out of the temple back to uh, Babylon. And made and amassed a great kingdom. And then he had a dream. And in this dream, he saw this big tree, and this tree was cut down and so forth. And so they, they got Daniel, and Daniel told him what was going to happen. He said, Nebuchadnezzar, the Lord's going to teach you a lesson. And he took the kingdom away from Nebuchadnezzar and he was living among the beast. And his hair became as the claws of an eagle and so forth. And here's the lesson that he's teaching us. The Bible says that his body was wet with the dew of heaven. Do you know what he's teaching Nebuchadnezzar? That the Most High ruleth, that the King of Heaven, His will will be done. Did you know that in Daniel chapter 7, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian kingdom is pictured as the lion. Do you know what Nebuchadnezzar ate while he was living like a beast? He ate grass like an ox. Do you know what that's teaching us? In Isaiah chapter 11, in the kingdom rule of the Lord Jesus, did you know that the lion will eat with the ox? And did you know that that's what he's teaching Nebuchadnezzar? And this is what he's teaching us. The dew that Isaac prayed for Jacob cannot be conquered by any nation on this earth. No power can prevent the coming kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will rule and no power can conquer that. Well, in regards to the third thing, you know, have you ever put out the fleece? You know, people do that all the time. You shouldn't, but you do it anyway. Uh, so, well, Brother Royce, you know, that's not the purpose of that. And this is in Judges chapter 6. And the dew 
is prominent there. You remember what Gideon said. You would say, oh, but it worked for Gideon. No, it didn't. He didn't get the message, actually, but that's okay. Uh, we won't. Any man that started out with 32,000 Baptists and wound up with 300, <laughs> he needs a lot of help. Uh, uh, but anyway, um, what does the significance of the dew mean there? Gideon said, Lord, I'll put out this fleece and if there's just dew on the fleece, then I'll know that this is what you want me to do. So that's what the Lord did. And what this means is that God controls the dew as well as the sun. And then he changed his mind and he said, Well, now, Lord, if you want me to go, let the fleece be dry and let all the earth. Did you know that it's strange that it says all the earth? I wonder what that means. Theologically and uh, grammatically, I just wonder. Uh, do we need a new translation or something uh, in regards? You know who the first translator of God's Word was, don't you? It was the devil in the Garden of Eden. But anyway, uh, so all you New King James, NIVs, and Moffats and so forth, you have to throw all them away, all right? But... Uh, <laughs> my brother <laughs> anyway it says all the earth did you know that this is a picture of the past and the present and the future of the nation of Israel to begin with this fleece was full of dew. To begin with, the nation of Israel was blessed of God and full of His blessings. But then, they, they denied and rejected the Lord Jesus again. But because of that and because of their fall and their casting away in Romans chapter 11, it became the riches of the whole world through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's not the end of the story. There is a future for the nation of Israel. This is a picture of the Lord Jesus and the nation of Israel in regards to the dew. To the dew, if you'll turn with me, if you will, this 
evening to Micah chapter 5. Let me read you something that's mentioned here in the book of Micah chapter 5. Probably have to unstick a whole bunch of those pages in your Bible. You will look with me to Micah chapter 5. A great chapter. In this chapter, you see the birth of the Lord Jesus in verse 2, the pre-existence of the Lord Jesus, the future of the Lord Jesus, and that He's going to rule over the nation of Israel and the ends of the earth. Skip down to verse 7. And remember that the dew was promised to Jacob from Isaac in regards to the birth, the firstborn. In verse 7, And the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people as a dew from the Lord, as the showers upon the grass that tarrieth not for man, nor waiteth for the sons of man. Did you know that Ezekiel 34 says there will be showers of blessings? And you know, can you sing that song and remember that it's speaking of the kingdom rule of the Lord Jesus, not the present hour? Here is the answer and the fulfillment of Genesis 27 in Micah chapter 5 and verse 7. Jacob will be as the dew and the whole world will be blessed. Look with me back, if you will, a few pages to your left. Just a few pages to your left in the book of Hosea chapter 14 and look what God said. Verse 5, Hosea chapter 14. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily. Can you understand what Jesus meant in Matthew 6? When He said, Consider the lily that Solomon and all his glory was not arrayed as this. This is what He's talking about. And if you you just continue to read through Hosea chapter 14, you'll see all of the great things that the Lord says is going to occur because He will be as the dew. Remember it is a day-to-day thing. Remember it is not broke breakable by any power on earth. Remember, it is the key to victory in our warfare is believing and trusting 
in the kingdom rule of the Lord Jesus. And that's what we're here for this evening to teach you that. God will be as the dew. Did you know that the earth will produce abundantly? The Bible says in Isaiah 27 that Israel will produce fruit that will fill the whole earth. Amos chapter 9 says that the reapers will overtake the sores, uh, that the earth will produce in abundance. Isn't it amazing how men say that the earth's not capable of producing enough food? They don't know the Lord. So nonetheless, the dew. If you, if you continue to look with me into the book of Zechariah for a minute, I'll close with this. In the 12th verse of the 8th chapter of Zechariah, he refers to the dew again. This is one of the great um, kingdom chapters in the book of Zechariah. In the previous verses, this is one that I really like. It says, <clears throat> it says that there shall yet all men, and that means more to me tonight than anything. <laughs> Old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with his staff in his hand. You won't have to worry about getting out of the way of all these drivers and so forth. But, and it says that the streets will be full of boys and girls playing. Won't that be something? Uh, but then in verse 12 of Zechariah 8, it says, The seed shall be prosperous, the vine shall give her fruit, and the ground shall give her increase, and the heavens shall give their due. And one of the things that I want to close with is to tell you this. The dew... in the time of its coming, it comes at the end of the night and the beginning of the morning. And let me tell you, I believe that the night of sorrow and trouble and disappointment and anguish is about to come to an end and the joy of the morning will be ours to enjoy someday in that great kingdom that's coming to the earth and i know that weeping endures for a night but joy will come in the morning God bless you and thank you for listening for a few of my thoughts. And I pray the Lord will bless you and bless the meeting.